It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to November the 2nd. It is a Thursday as we move headlong into all the information that you need. And boy, a lot of information coming out here. And we want to uh, wish uh, happy retirement, I guess, to a guy who really has been center stage for the Nebraska State Fair for quite some time. And Susan Littlefield has more. Well, good morning to everybody. Yes, it came out yesterday. Joseph McDermott will be retiring at the end of the year. Bryce Duskett will have more for us coming up at 1245. Producers here, I'm at the USMEF meeting in Tucson, and producers here, many were caught by surprise at that announcement. He's done a lot for the Nebraska State Fair and really allowed it to grow to the expansion that it already has, and they'll be looking now for somebody to fill his shoes. After the first of the year, he goes to go on board as a consultant. Coming up at 1219, Dean Hess is going to be joining us. Do we talk to him from Water Street Solutions? And then at 117, I caught up with Don Caldwell from here at the USMEF meeting. She sits on a couple committees, and we talk about the importance of what this organization does and how it really affects our cattle producers back home. So... That's a look at some of the things coming up from the Farm Department on the midday. All right. Now, you've, uh, at the Meat Export Federation, the, the discussion there has been centering on a lot of things that could affect the industry. Tell us a little bit about the discussion this morning. You bet. You know, right now there's a meeting that's going on. Um, they're talking about what's going to happen, not the what if, but the what at when. When we're dealing with NAFTA and, of course, CORUS as well, we're getting some experts that have boots on the ground and are seeing it every day from an export status. And they said things definitely from a NAFTA agreement could get quite tough for the ag industry, especially when we look at the proteins. So we're going to have more with those experts coming up over the next couple of days. All right. We'll look forward to it. Thank you, Susan, from the uh, Meat Export Federation meetings at uh, Tucson, Arizona. Jason Jorgensen catches up on sports. Got a new World Series winner. That's right. About time for Houston yeah. as they were able to win it last night in seven. Good for them for a city still recovering from Hurricane Harvey. Of course, uh, the Astros have been playing as a baseball team there since they started out back in 1962. Still one of the best team nicknames ever, the oh, Colt yeah. 45s. <laughs> of course, that's too politically incorrect to use today. But Absolutely. back in 62, it made sense. Yeah. So uh, good for Houston. We'll touch on that. Also coming up in sports, we'll talk about some district volleyball. There are a number of district titles and spots at the state tournament in Lincoln next week that will be up for grabs today as those district finals will take place across the state. We will preview some of those. Of course, we're getting a little bit closer to the Huskers game against Northwestern. That big matchup is coming up on Saturday afternoon. Now, Northwestern, their season started badly just as it did a year ago. And then here in the middle of the season, they start to play better and they come in with some momentum. They have back-to-back wins in overtime against Iowa and Michigan State. We'll get the thoughts of their head coach, Pat Fitzgerald, about that. Did the Astros' name actually come after the Astrodome when it all became Space City down there? Is that how that all worked I'm out? not for sure. That was a little before a little my before time. before your time. Okay. Right. I remember touring the Astrodome in about 1965, mm-hmm. I think. And it was about the eighth winner of the world yeah, at that yeah. time, yeah. Uh, much different story today. <laughs> we have uh, Bob Brogan on business. Stocks are trading lower on Wall Street today. Lots of investors are waiting for news about House Republicans' tax proposals and President Donald Trump's choice for Federal Reserve Chair. And apparently, uh, we're expecting Jerome Powell to be named as uh, President Donald Trump's choice to succeed Janet Yellen as Fed Chief. All right, all these stories and more coming up today on Midday. 
Paul Perkins is in here with some information. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. We have a little bit of precipitation to kind of graze the top edge of the state today. Yeah, Shadron and Gordon still getting some light snow. And if you look at the webcams up there, it's pretty white. The road's still in good shape. They're just wet, but a lot of snow on the grassy surfaces right now. I just see a three-inch accumulation that's been posted right there at the corner of uh, Wyoming South Dakota and Nebraska, way up there in the corner west of Shadron. Yeah, it's up in that southwest corner of South Dakota. Yeah, they've had about one to three inches of snow with that system that's glided to the southeast, but mm-hmm. it's going to continue just to skirt right along the Nebraska-South Dakota border, not cause too much pain for anybody else. Now, we do have some uh, possible moisture coming in by later on tonight. Fog drizzle maybe tomorrow? Yeah, with the front moving in, we're going to be seeing some easterly winds, and that's going to help to develop some fog and clouds overnight. For today, we are cooler. Temperatures today cooler with increasing sunshine as the cold front that moved through tracks farther towards the east. So enjoy the sunshine for today because we're not going to probably see a lot of it for tomorrow. Increasing moisture for tonight, some light east winds, and a front approaching from the west will all lead to some cloud cover tonight and some patchy fog in the overnight hours. And we couldn't be looking at visibilities that will be limited tomorrow morning as low as a mile or less. Fog, clouds, and drizzle expected to linger for much of the day tomorrow. Going to be probably a very dreary day tomorrow, especially in central areas. Drizzle remains possible tomorrow night if you're headed to a football game, especially as a warm front begins to move to the east. But we will be on the warm side of that front as we head towards Saturday. Temperatures will be warmer Saturday, probably our warmest day over the next seven days with some sunshine in behind that warm front. But you know, these warm-ups, they can't last very long because guess what? Another cold front will be tracking southeast of the region by Sunday. Just like we had a nice day yesterday, that's going to be cooler for today. Well, Sunday's going to be the same thing, another cold front tracking through the region. So we will see some cooler temperatures on Sunday. That cold air will be reinforced early next week by some reinforcing shots of cold air from high pressure moving across southern Canada, so staying on the chilly side for much of early next week. Also looking at the potential of some light rain or snow early next week with some passing disturbances. A system to watch for possibly some light snow accumulations will arrive on Tuesday night, but it does depend a lot on timing and still a little far out to tell for sure. But Tuesday night we could see some light accumulations on into Wednesday morning. There are some changes in our long-term forecast. Temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to start out cooler than normal the middle part of next week. The forecast expects near normal to warmer than normal temperatures late next week through November 15th in Nebraska and Kansas. Looks like our better chances of being warmer than normal, though, will be over Kansas and southwest Nebraska. For precipitation, Nebraska and Kansas expected to see mostly below normal precipitation Tuesday through the 15th. Probably the best chance of seeing any moisture going to be right around that Tuesday to Wednesday period. In the drought monitor released today, Nebraska remains mostly drought-free. There's abnormal dryness to moderate drought in the southern Panhandle and northern Cherry County. Basically, the areas that have been experiencing drought of late. Most of Kansas also drought-free. The exceptions, abnormal dryness in a strip in the southern or in the central part of Kansas from Osborne to Ashland. Also right around Harper County in the far south. 
also around Salina, Abilene, and McPherson, and in the northeast from Marysville to Seneca. Weather factors driving the markets, glued off and on rain, disrupting the harvest in the Midwest, and promising rain chances for central Brazil. The next several days, northwestern U.S. precipitation going to spread east across the northern part of the country and as far south as the Intermountain West. Significant high elevation snow expected across the northern Rockies. Some late week snow should also blanket parts of the northern plains and the far upper Midwest. The corn harvest will continue to be delayed in the Midwest by cool and wet weather, the most extensive delays in the eastern Midwest. The southeast U.S. and Delta will see some harvest and wheat planting disruptions from rain tomorrow and Saturday. The rain forecast in central Brazil looking favorable to improve their conditions for soybean planting and development. There are now predictions of a 7% reduction in the Brazil soybean crop due to planting delays from the dry conditions that they've been experiencing. Andrew Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Didn't hear anything there right here at home that's going to be uh, putting any clamps down on getting the rest of that corn in. No, for several days here we are looking pretty good as far as any precipitation. It's just going to be a little wet maybe with that fog and drizzle tomorrow. That uh, may, of course, increase those moisture levels of the crop. But all in all, very favorable weather, at least for today. Uh, probably over the weekend, but watch out for maybe some of those rain and snow chances early next week. All right. Well, maybe this weekend people get a chance to wrap her up. Yep, exactly. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. on hold until Cruz gets his meeting. I'm Sheila Peters on the Rural Radio Network with a midday check of your ag news. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz wants the Trump administration to organize a meeting on the renewable fuel standard and is holding up the Bill Northey nomination until the meeting is planned. Cruz has placed a hold on Northey's nomination as the Department of Agriculture Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. Eight other senators are also seeking compromise on the RFS to protect refiners from job losses. Politico reports that Northey was a nominee in the wrong place at the wrong time as Cruz looked for a way to strike back corn state senators that got the administration to pull back to RFS proposals. Any compromise or changes to the RFS need to be completed before the end of this month as the deadline for the Environmental Protection Agency to release its final RFS volume requirements. And there is going to be change in leadership at the Nebraska State Fair. Bryce Duskett has more. Nebraska State Fair Executive Director Joseph McDermott is stepping down from his role as leader of the Nebraska State Fair at the end of this year to retire. He says not many people realize how much work actually goes into making a great state fair. The biggest thing that the public doesn't understand is is the scope of the event, the time, the man hours that it takes to put it on. It's amazing how many people don't realize that we have a full-time staff here of about 12 people and work year-round. And it's not just those 12 people. There are 50 to 75 superintendents who oversee the various uh, departments. There's another 75 to 100 uh, groups that we call them programming partners. Um, it, it just takes a lot of time, a lot of talented people. McDermott will remain in his current position through the end of 2017, but will then continue as a consultant to the board in 2018. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. And USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs Ted McKinney is on his first international trade mission with the USDA in India. And he joined us on a teleconference this morning from New Delhi. And he says he's very optimistic by what he's hearing. I think India is absolutely and unequivocally 
a country in which we are doing business and I think can do even more business. And that's, uh, that's a, a point I heard time and time again from the public and the private sector. But as for any um, bilateral or trade agreement, I'll have to leave that to the uh, folks at the USTR. That is their purview. We are there as a full partner. Uh, but I think they'd be the drivers on that. But do business, improve business, two-way, you bet. I'm all in. In other ag news, farmers are encouraged to keep the stubble during No-Till November. During a special month-long campaign called No-Till November, the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service is encouraging Nebraska farmers to keep the stubble on their harvested crop fields and improve soil health. The project is mirrored after the National Cancer Awareness No-Shave November campaign. The No-Till November campaign encourages farmers to keep different kinds of stubble by parking tillage equipment in their machine sheds this fall and keep crop stubble on their fields. No-till farming is a cornerstone soil health practice which also promotes water quality while saving farmers time and money, said acting state conservationist Myron Taylor. One of the first soil health principles is do not disturb. This campaign is a fun way to remind farmers about the important relationship between tillage and soil health. And that's a quick check of your Midday Ag News. For more on this story and any of our audio and video, you can always visit RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Next on our program, we'll talk with Dean Heft of Water Street Solutions about the grain markets today. Speaking of cash grains... Uh, what's it like for the cash market? Is it starting to get a little bit firmer in some areas of the country? Well, uh, it certainly depends on where you're at. Right now, we've got uh, the really good yields, and they're only halfway through. Uh, it's still pretty soft as you go north of you, north of your listing area. Cash market's pretty tough, but as you move east, or areas that are getting finished up, you're seeing elevators don't have that as big as the supply is out here. They don't have that much ownership, and so you're seeing some improvement in the cash markets as we move now into November. We noticed today that percentage-wise, hard red winter wheat kind of had the biggest percent rally today. That is kind of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, and it's good to see. You know, when you look at the wheat complex, as bad as it's been, when you're seeing strength, I like seeing Kansas City leading the way out of here. And uh, Minneapolis has kind of been doing its own thing. But you're seeing green across the board in, in the wheat market, and uh, that's a good sign. A lot of today is uh, short covering in uh, the funds. They're very short the wheat. They're very short corn. And so you're seeing some pretty solid short covering today. Next week, we've got the USDA report a week away. And so you're going to see some squaring. And really, you haven't seen much impact from the fairly bearish estimates coming out from uh, Informa and FC Stone on their estimates uh, for the November crop report. Yeah, I think something like those estimates were already built into the market the way it appears because both raised their corn and soybean, well, not so much the soybean yield estimate, but mostly corn. Is uh, our hefty corn supply going to keep a cap on these rallies? I think so. I mean, we've seen this before when you've got big supplies and big uh, yields that once you get past harvest, and next week we'll be past probably that 60% mark, uh, you get some lift as we move into the winter, and either the cash market has to do the work or the futures market has to do the work, but uh, you're finding a home for everything, 
people are not interested in letting go of ownership down at these levels. But I think to see sustained rallies, you're going to need a bigger story, a soybean story, a South American story, an acre story, something going on. And for now, we're going to have to probably lower our expectations as we move into the end of the year of what we can expect out of rallies. You mentioned acreage. Well, let's turn our attention to winter wheat plantings. And uh, there's that possibility that they're going to be down over the planting season here as it wraps up. So maybe that's an underlying support factor here for hard red winter. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe you have to expect that they're going to be down both because of profitability and because of weather in some uh, cases in getting planting done. But, you know, last year was record low uh, planted acres for wheat. And really, the fact of the matter is we just don't compete that well globally on wheat anymore. There's so many areas that have it. And uh, you're getting to a level that I think it's hard to see us move much lower in wheat, but there's enough supply out there that um, you're not seeing us move, <laughs> a big move much higher in the near term. Thanks, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. For more, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. The energies were mixed today. Crude oil just fractionally higher at the present time, and the dollar slightly lower. Meanwhile, livestock futures are correcting today after recent rallies of the past three days, and we're down as much as $2 in that December live cattle contract. I'm Dewey Nelson. You're in tune to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for us to check sports with Jason Jordan. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Houston and the Astros are celebrating the first World Series championship after knocking off Los Angeles last night 5-1 at Dodger Stadium. Playing for a city still recovering from Hurricane Harvey, the Astros brought home the prize that had eluded them since they started out in 1962 as a Colt 45s. George Springer became the World Series MVP after hitting a series record five homers, including one more last night. He also became the first person to homer in four consecutive games during the same fall classic. The Dodgers were trying to win their first title since 1988. Much like last year, Northwestern is coming on after a slow start. In back-to-back weeks, the Wildcats have knocked off Iowa and Michigan State in overtime. Head coach Pat Fitzgerald talks about what's been the key to coming up with those type of wins. I think it's the same thing with our, with our young men, too. I think they just respect the heck out of the last two opponents that we've played. We knew they were going to be just wars. I mean, you watch the tape, you see the physicality, you see the execution, you see the talent, you see how well-coached they are. You knew it was going to be a battle. And Again, two weeks in a row now, we had to make a play and. Northwestern has now won three in a row and stands in second place in the Big Ten West standings with an overall record of 5-3. and three. They now have a good shot to end the season on a strong note with games remaining at Nebraska. They also will take on Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois. After a win against in-state rival Kansas last week, the K-State football team approved a 4-4. Four and four. They have four games left, and head coach Bill Snyder says the goal now is to get to a bowl. You know, I, I know what's on their mind. I mean, a uh, bowl game is, uh, you know, certainly a... Uh, a reward for young people and, and the program. Uh, so they understand that they want to go to a bowl game, and they understand what they have to do in order to make that happen. And now it's a matter of knowing what you have to do in order to put yourself in a position to be successful again and to correct the mistakes that we make and improve in areas that we need to improve upon. The road to a bowl game may not be easy for the Wildcats. They face two ranked teams in 11th ranked Oklahoma State and 14th ranked Iowa State. That's after their road trip to Texas Tech this Saturday. 
The kickoff against the Red Raiders set 4-11. And in the NFL tonight, the Bills visit the Jets. The 5-2 and two Bills are a half game behind New England for first place in the AFC East. If they can knock off the Jets, Buffalo would clinch its best first half to a season since 1993. And, of course, that squad was led by quarterback Jim Kelly. And district finals for volleyball take place tonight in the state of Nebraska in classes D1 and D2. That's all good sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Becoming mostly cloudy in Nebraska tonight with the lows around 30. I'm Dave Schroeder. A man was injured when his pickup, truck, and a horse trailer collided with a train in the Nebraska Sandhills. It occurred around 10.45 a.m. yesterday at a private crossing about three miles east of Thedford. Thomas County Sheriff Gary Eng says a man was taken to a North Platte hospital. His name hasn't been released. Authorities say one horse in the trailer died and another survived. A central Lexington home was heavily damaged by an overnight fire that began in some overloaded wiring in an upstairs bedroom. Lexington volunteer firefighters were summoned to 407 West 7th at around 1 a.m. Fire Chief Dallas Holbein says it took some time to extinguish because the house had been added onto two or three times and the ceiling and layer of roofing had to be pulled down. Holbein says there are no injuries to the family or to firefighters, but he did issue some caution. No, everybody got out. Everybody's okay. I guess if I could encourage anybody, I think... It appears that the cause was just due to some older, overloaded wiring. Uh, we found uh, three space heaters downstairs plugged in and a furnace plugged in, and it was some older wiring, and, and that's where it started was in the wiring in the wall. And Some of those those heaters, you know, these cold times and, and these older houses are not maybe well insulated, and so people get more heaters. And I think people just need to, we need to remind people to be cautious with plugging in too much stuff and, and overloading their wiring. The family was in bed at the time and noticed a smell of fire. The residents were receiving assistance from the American Red Cross. Police say a man suspected of fatally shooting three people inside a suburban Denver Walmart tried to flee officers in his car but was blocked by traffic. Thornton Police spokesman Victor Avia says that 47-year-old Scott Ostrom was arrested without incident after a brief chase had started near an apartment five miles from the Thornton Walmart store. Avia says police went to the apartment and didn't find him, but they got an anonymous tip that he was driving in the area and spotted him. Police took Ostrom into custody after his car was blocked by traffic at an intersection. Two men died inside the Walmart, which is about 10 miles north of Denver in a busy shopping center. A woman later died at a hospital. Replay the game, the interview, or feature you miss by catching a podcast from the front page of KRVN.com. I'm Dave Schroeder. Association. Joseph McDermott has been employed with the Nebraska State Fair for 30 years, serving the past nine years as executive director. Since overseeing the move of the fair from Lincoln to Grand Island in 2010, McDermott has led the organization for eight successful state fairs in Grand Island. Yesterday, the Nebraska State Fair announced that he will be stepping down and plans to retire from the fair at the first of the year. Joining me on today's Newsmaker is Joseph McDermott to reflect on his 30-plus years of service to the fair and specifically the last nine as executive director. Joseph, first and foremost, congratulations on retirement. 
to begin, give us an idea of what the fair looked like 30 years ago when you first began. Well, I actually started with the fair in 1988, um, writing computer software on uh, an IBM mainframe. Um, and, of course, those are out of existence at this point for, for the most part. Um, in, in 1990, I believe it was, I was office manager. Um, so that kind of got me into management of the fair. Um, and in um, 2005 uh, became, or I'm sorry, 1995 became the assistant manager. Um, so that that kind of uh, led me down the path of executive director, and uh, I was named uh, ED in 2009. Walking back to uh, 30 years ago, tell us what the state fair looked like. Uh, obviously, it's in Grand Island now. Then it was in Lincoln. Tell us about the state fair. Yeah, well, for for decades, um, the Nebraska State Fair was supported uh, by horse racing profits, um, and that was pretty strong. Um, into the uh, uh, 80s, uh, early 90s, uh, and then it, it quite honestly started to uh, um, go in somewhat of a downward spiral, which made it difficult to support the fair um, and support the uh, 250 acres and 70-plus buildings that were on the uh, property in Lincoln. Um, so the fair started to struggle in the early 2000s, um, i tell you, though, what really turned the fair around um, was in 2004 when voters approved a constitutional amendment which gave uh, the Nebraska State Fair 10% of lottery proceeds. So that was certainly a shot in the arm. Um, we were able to start making improvements to the fair itself, to the events, to the programming, and to the facilities. Um, and then, of course, the move to Grand Island came in uh, in 2009-2010 and you know that's where uh, I think the fair has really excelled since we've moved to Grand Island. When it moved to Grand Island you took over as the executive director as you mentioned. Tell us about that move kind of from the inside perspective. Uh, so maybe something that we w we haven't seen is the uh, from the public side of things. Tell us about that move. Well I, I think if if you were to talk to um, any of my board members at that time or any of my staff at that time um, I think they would probably tell you that 2009-2010 was actually a pretty tough year. Um, it seems like um, we no more than hit the ground here in Grand Island, um, and it was just a sprint to the 2010 fair. From a from a from the public standpoint, um, things went well, uh, but it was it was tough to pull everything together. You know, after being in Lincoln. Um, for 109 years and knowing exactly what resources were available to you, moving to Grand Island, a, a brand new community, really didn't know what resources we had. Um, and so that made it difficult. Um, but it's, it's really uh, picked up steam since that first fair and, and turned out very well. Certainly a beautiful fair it is now in Grand Island. Give us a glimpse from your perspective. Where do you see the State Fair going in the future? Now that you're stepping aside uh, there in Grand Island, of course. How do you see the future playing out? Well, I think it has a bright future. Um, you know, we've we've got a, a great team here, whether it be um, the, the staff members, the board members, uh, the volunteers, and there's, there's almost a 1,000 of those volunteers who give us time on a regular basis. Um, I think I think the right people are in place, and I'm sure that the board will go out um, and find somebody who who has 
good knowledge of the fair industry, good knowledge of agriculture and livestock. Um, I, I think this fair will continue to grow. Um, this past year, we ended up with uh, about 379,000 uh, attendees, which was 10,000 away from our all-time high set back in uh, Lincoln in 1997. So there, there is a target there. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that next year uh, they'll hit that target. What is something that the general public doesn't realize about the fair that, that you've realized over your, your time there uh, serving in leadership? You know, I, I think probably the, 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 the biggest thing um, that, that the public doesn't understand is, is the scope of the event, the, the time, the man hours that it takes to put it on. Um, you know, it's it's amazing how many people don't realize that we have a full-time staff here of about 12 people and work year-round uh, to plan the event. And it's not just those 12 people. Um, there are there are 50 to 75 superintendents who oversee the various uh, departments. There's another 75 to 100 uh, groups that we call them programming partners. Those are people who 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 have uh, who participate in the fair by um, for for an event or a program or an attraction? Um, it it just takes a lot of time, a lot of talented people uh, to put the fair together. And I, I don't think the the general public understands um, exactly how much work and and effort goes into putting on the fair. Well, Joseph, thank you for coming on and reflecting on some of your time that you spent uh, over 30 years with the Nebraska State Fair, and nine of those serving as executive director. On behalf of the Rural Radio Network, we wish you the best in retirement and the best for the Nebraska State Fair. Reporting, I'm Bryce Duskit. Next, we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Well, Maybe it was expected that we'd have a little bit of correction in these cattle futures today. Uh, yeah, we, coming from overbought, uh, and uh, you know what, it was bound to happen, and, and you always expect it. Whether you're overbought or oversold, you're going to get corrections from time to time. Uh, I think there's a little disappointment, though. Uh, what cattle, few cattle, and I'm just a few cattle traded yesterday, 120, uh, and the talk was that we were going to see 122, and so I think that uh, kind of precipitated the uh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's take some profits while we can, uh, type of thing, because we're uh, a couple of bucks o- uh, higher uh, than that. So uh, let's let's uh, take our money and uh, step aside for a moment. And it it really affected the uh, uh, cattle and the feeders uh, throughout the day. So. Uh, we started out pretty close to unchanged, but then, then fell. Cutouts were a little bit higher again uh, at noon. Uh, uh, everything else seems to be uh, in fair shape, but uh, it, it always looks uh, the best at the top. It always looks the worst at the bottom. So we'll see how tomorrow comes out. We did have a reversal in the outside down day in the uh, in the live cattle, so we'll see how uh, we come in tomorrow in the hogs. Lower in the front end, higher in the back end. Uh, disappointing. Uh, looks like uh, we're really trying to uh, uh, show a, a high in here. And uh, uh, same goes there. Higher uh, cutouts. Not enough to hold the market. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, 
Great Plains Commodities. Call 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. It's about sitting down and finding out what the consumer wants. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. But this time for agriculture, that consumer is hundreds of thousands of miles away. The U.S. Meat Export Federation continues to work to expand the marketplace for all protein sectors. Don Caldwell from Nebraska is vice chair of the Federation of State Beef Councils. She talks about finding that appetite overseas. Part of what USMEF does is have staff there in the country. They will have a person that reaches out to chefs and importers, um, retailers, to make sure they understand the culture and what products those people like, help them with some cookery on affordable meats, um, maybe try some new things such as Eye of the Round or other, other things that we've learned people in other countries really appreciate. Um, and the other thing we'll do is work through the governments to be able to have that export business relationship occur. Um, we need to build relationships with their trade officials to be able to make the transactions happen. Let's bring it back to what this means to Nebraskans. What does this mean to a cow-calf guy that right now is out there looking at his cattle wondering how what you're doing here is going to affect him? It means dollars. So, And it's not just the cow-calf guy. So for cow-calf and finished beef, we're looking at somewhere just around $300 a head all the time um, for exported for beef in general. So when we re, when we market a beef animal in, in Nebraska or anywhere in the U.S. currently, a finished beef animal, that, that extra $300 a head we get is due to export demand. That does come back to the cow-calf producer and what the, the feeders can um, afford to pay them. In addition, corn and soybean growers benefit from this. So we get to upcycle corn, if you will, to create really good, high-quality protein for people around the world to eat. And so it's also a benefit to corn farmers in Nebraska because we do feed a lot of cattle there. We do feed quite a few hogs there. And both of those species are affected by this. So um, you know, farmers and farmers and ranchers in general alike get to benefit from this program and this organization. I, I do love how that there's such a strong backing of each other from the grain side and from the livestock side, knowing one can't survive without the other. Right. USMEF does a great job of bringing each of the commodity groups involved um, to the table, as well as retailers and exporters, uh, packers, and so on, because we all need each other for this to be really successful. And so it's, it's fun to, to watch them um, work together and strategize and make plans for, for what's next down the road, which country we'll be focused on, what can we do more and better in different parts of the world. As you look at the meeting and as you have a time to sit down with the committee that you're a part of and just having the, the water cooler talk in the hallways, what is the takeaway that you want to have from this meeting going forward into 2018? You know, I think for the beef focus group going into 2018, we're going to want to really consider those future opportunity countries. Um, that's something we definitely want to look at. Um, even more so, we're going to want to know what's going to happen in China. They have um, currently some stipulations on what we can ship there that makes it challenging to produce it at a level they're willing to pay for. And so we want to make sure we get the demand built up there that it, that profit is realized back on the farms here in the U.S. And so building opportunity there is going to be critical. And then reaching out to a couple new focus countries, as I understand, is also going to be on the forefront of our discussions. My conversation with Nebraskan Don Caldwell during the U.S. Meat Export Federation Strategic Planning Meeting here in Tucson, Arizona. 
I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. want to ask you about cash markets at this time. Are they getting better in some areas that are close to harvest? Ah, it's better is probably not not the term I'd use. I think they're slowly improving, as uh, you know, especially a lot of these areas up north are are slow to get it out. But you know, I think it'd be nice to see here from from folks in the next couple of days, as as we have seen a little bit of a rally in the last two three sessions. What uh, what what the cash price of the basis has done. I think the you know probably see things widen out as we get closer to uh, December delivery. Um, again, though, the, the price action day was promising. I, I like to see the spread started to move. feels like the value is really in the front of the curve at this point, uh, meaning I think you'll see some selling heavily selling to, in the December 18 contract once we get up near $4, which isn't too far away. So I think you got to take advantage of that type of, of, of price action. All right. But wheat kind of led the way today. And is it based a lot on short covering? Yeah, it just felt like rebalancing to me. The cattle market's down on very, you know, little news, and the the grain markets obviously counter that. Um, but you know, if we could see some follow through, or maybe both go up to uh, Monday early next week, you know, we know the informant numbers in FC Stone were were certainly higher. Um, production is kind of getting cemented in here above fourteen million or fourteen billion rather. So as as we kind of get into no, mid November, uh, I look for the pace of harvest to be an issue, uh, as well as uh, if these demand numbers can continue. A little debate that we're seeing in the trade is whether or not Mexico, the big Mexican purchase that came today, was kind of something that was going to be uh, kind of a load up ahead of NAFTA or if this was really truly a, a need purchase. I kind of think the former, but uh, certainly they made the buy, and that's, that's something we've got to lean our hats on. That was a monster purchase this morning. Let's uh, highlight, too, USDA's report one week away. Uh, what do you see? I think very, very similar to what the uh, what the uh, USDA, or I'm sorry, Informa and FC Stone have come out with. I think we'll be up maybe a one and a half percent from 170, puts it somewhere near 173. I do think they'll increase in uh, ethanol numbers and maybe some feed numbers as well. So I wouldn't look for uh, you know a straight increase in the carryout, but I do think we'll see a small one, and then probably be the high we see for the short period. Uh, it doesn't look like. You know, there's enough news in South America yet to, to make a you know determination this early. But uh, again, I, I look for short covering as an opportunity to sell on rallies. Uh, you know, I'd say 370 March now at this point. Uh, once we get past the first of the year, I think we can get above these levels. But I'm not optimistic we're going to see a big big pickup here uh, unless there'd be again purchases like we saw this morning in corn. All right, John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Be sure to go to their website for more information, danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.